Do it. Do it. Do it, Judo. Just do it. What hang on, which film's that from? Do it. Just do it. Is it Zoolander? Oh, uh, no. No, Starsky and Hutch. Thank you. Thank you. Do yeah. it. You do which it. No, I, I do it. I haven't, <laughs> exactly. I haven't seen that in ages. That's the only bit I remember from the movie. Me I haven't too. seen it in ages. Yeah. But uh, you do it. yeah, you you were watching Tropic Thunder on Friday night. I was indeed. A, I was indeed. And it was film. hilarious. What a, what a film. I'd forgotten how funny it was. And as as I was saying just now, it's like there were so many lines that you say and it really made me laugh. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Ain't, ain't nothing but they're, nothing. They're all of uh, Tom Cruise's lines. That's why I have my name today Basically. is Dominder Cruz. That's uh, <laughs> Indian Indian version of Tom Cruise here. That's right. Yeah. All about entertainment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm such judo. a good film. And you're judo. I'm judo. That's because it's my name and it's martial art and that's pretty much it. that's what I embody, isn't it? Judo. And you. I I've never done judo in my life, but I'm going to be judo today. <laughs> well, you just throw people around for a laugh, so. I do. Yeah, it's there fun. It is fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the film was, uh, it was so funny. And from the off, I was just giggling the whole way through. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's so like, at first, yeah. And you know when it starts, so you're like, is this part of the film? Because it's all the trailers for all the other movies. Yeah. And I started forwarding exactly. it. And I was like, oh, no, hang on. This is part of the film. Hang <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah, they're excellent as well. So funny. Um, but, yeah, all the little one-liners are brilliant. And uh, hmm. I can't remember the end now. What's the end? Oh, no, it's Tom Cruise, isn't it? it the end is brilliant yeah. when Tom Cruise is just dancing. And that's, he's, he's just, fantastic, isn't it? Just <laughs> giving it his all. Oh, yeah. Big dick swing. Just, and just I don't, so I don't I have it. Tom Cruise down as a co comedy actor <laughs> at all, but he was really funny. Yeah, he's excellent. And they tried so hard to make sure that no one knew that he was in the movie. There was, really? Um, yeah, because yeah. there were, when he was coming out, like shooting and stuff like that, shooting a scene, because he looks like a heavy set man. He's hairy, he's got his fat yeah. hands and stuff Yeah, he's got like a bodysuit on. Yeah, he's he's yes. he's done. He's put all that on as well. So yes. the story goes that um, when they when Ben Stiller asked him to do the movie, he's like, yeah, but I've seen the character and I've got this vision in my head that he's somebody who's like, uh, he goes, I want to dance in the movie. There's got to be a dance scene and, and oh, fat yeah. hands. So he says he wants fat hands and they're like, uh, okay. And then obviously it worked out beautifully. And um, so when they were filming the movie and they were shooting and like in between takes and stuff like that, they had to like, Try, try and cover up the fact that it was Tom Cruise because paparazzi were taking pictures everywhere and they're seeing this fat dude walking around who's bald with a comb over and a bit like that looks familiar but we're not sure who that is and so it started leaking as like it might be Tom Cruise in this movie and they had to like try and cover it up so when he actually makes his appearance on that big screen in the film you're like oh my god I remember watching it in the cinema and I was like oh shit that's Tom Cruise this is hilarious this is amazing and yeah it was classic such so a good and that clip that I've I've seen so many times um, is brilliant. Please do it. Do the bit. Which which one? Was it take a step back? <laughs> yeah. Do that bit. It's so <laughs> good. Yeah. Anybody who's listening, you're just gonna hear just this fucking really sorry, just screaming down there. It's so funny. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's brilliant. He just holds the fuck. He's like, oh, listen, fuck face. First of all, take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it's so like good. I mean, so good. I, mean, but... I could I could reel that off, but that would get pretty belligerent. <laughs> Do it another time. 
We'll just yeah, have exactly. one show where it's just us, like, spouting lines from films. That'll be it. Whole podcast. It's that, yeah, it sounds like we need a movie podcast now. <laughs> movie podcast, definitely. Yeah. Books have gone. Movie, sorry. Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah, because this is like last week, The Fountain. I mean, we were chatting about Oblivion before, but, like, yes. that wasn't on on the on the show like uh, no. tropic thunder yeah but we've yeah we've talked about movies in the past as well it's like the things we pick up from them and like you know ah oh, so many lines so many lines yeah i just but most of my most of my silly lines and things that i say are from movies most of the lines that i say are probably from ace ventura <laughs> to be fair um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's all i say it's a classic i mean it's a classic yeah i mean there's a fantastic movie it's like anytime i say something and i try and go like with you now i try and go more and more outlandish with the references yeah. that i make I but you still get it <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you like damn it <laughs> exactly it's like um yeah it's like if i said finkel and einhorn you'd know exactly what i was yeah. talking about yeah exactly you said one the other day what was it you said the other day and i what was it south park you south park part referenced my tiny little oh, mind or something wasn't it yeah 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 that yeah. was it it was like this and is too like, much for my, for my fragile little mind and you <laughs> bam you just you knew exactly me. where it came from straight yeah, away. Yeah. i was like brilliant it's like i don't have to you weren't like oh my god i'm just like yeah i know that it's yeah all the silly mm. films you can guarantee i've watched them and for years and years and years i've i've said all the silly phrases so yeah mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a ton of there's a ton of inspiration there as well. Actually, for um, improv was. Uh, yeah. So when we did a, when, when when we did the show, somebody threw in a, like a scene suggestion from the audience. So it was like Rocky versus, I don't remember who it was. Like, they were just you doing that one? That would have been brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So I just, it's basically you stand on the sidelines and somebody shouts out a scene and then just however yeah, many people are required. Just you comes live. Out, right? Yeah, you, you were, you were, were you there I don't for that one? Said, I don't think I was there for that one. Um, mm. But I well, remember. Basically it was, it was the I'm second in. performance. And um, yeah, so, and then because I'd seen Rocky and I knew the lines from Rocky actually served me well. So there's, there's a reason why you need to remember these lines from you movies. do yeah, actually, brilliant. I, I, I rocked up on stage and we were just pretending like we're gonna have a boxing fight and i was like if i could change you could change and everybody could change <laughs> just throwing out all the rocky lines it was and it got were you nice, nervous so you get nervous for those sort of things like i mean is that your first innings into standing on stage and doing something and was it nerve-wracking for you something i've always wanted to ask you actually yeah cool so <clears> i've done it I have performed, I actually have performed as a lead character in the school production when I was seven. <laughs> so, okay. So I think it was like Danny the Champion of the World or something okay. like that. So basically I have history with being on the stage. So from like, a, from a very young age. From seven, and, okay. Uh, yeah, from seven. Actually, my buddy of mine, um, hard shout out to you bro, listens to us every week. He's got oh. a copy of um that play because oh, please, we went to school together. Can so we have that for me, the show? Me, yeah, well, I want to see it. I haven't obviously I haven't seen it in ages. So it'd be great to great to like go around his place and just like whack that on and see what the hell we were like like 30 years ago, which is crazy. <laughs> and, um, 
And so, yeah, that'd be good to see. So I guess it's been in me to do that yeah. um, from a young age for whatever reason. And I've, and I've enjoyed it. And I think there's stories of me when I was like two years old, three years old, and like at my, like my two-year-old birthday party, yeah. and my mom was like, yeah, you were just loving it. Like you were just all over Proper the Proper performer. Yeah. And, Super interesting because I, yeah, go on. Sorry, I'll carry on in a second. Say again. No, and then secondary school, I did a couple of plays as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, like, did it ever taper off? It did. It did taper off. It was more like, <laughs> I wish it didn't because um, in my head, I always wanted to do like drama and PE for like, you know, when you had your choices for like GCSEs yeah. and stuff like that. But I went down the so-called sensible route and I didn't do that. <laughs> I did drama. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, fucking envy you. I wish I'd done it. And um, yeah, just looking back, I was like, look, if I had it the ways I actually wanted to do things, I would have just done these things. And yeah, but um, it is what it is now. And, uh, and I'm getting to explore it now on some level. And, um, and yeah, so I was doing that, tapered off, didn't do anything. And then um, a buddy of mine a couple of years ago, uh, came up to me and he was like, I'm thinking of doing improv. And I went, what? You can do that. <laughs> Where? I am there. And I, and I, yeah, exactly. I never thought about it and I just did it and uh, absolutely loved it. And I yeah, just did it for up until basically, I think like June, mm. sometime June 2019. And then March 2020 was obviously when lockdown yeah. kicked in. Yeah. So I did like four levels of their courses. I basically just did them back to back to back to back. Okay. And with two of those, two of those, one of them we couldn't perform, the last one, the level four, because obviously lockdown. Yeah. And the level two and three we had a performance and it was that um first so the first time i'd been on stage as an adult i think besides yeah. like some presentations and stuff for like old work stuff that doesn't <clears throat> to me doesn't count this is for like entertainment so you're just freaking out you're like oh my god like oh, what's gonna happen here yeah and um but in a way it's like i realized there's a lot of peace of mind and knowing that you don't know what the hell's gonna happen so it doesn't matter whereas if you had some yes. lines prepared you just you could probably be freaking yeah. out about oh I'm, I'm gonna forget this this isn't gonna yeah. come across how i want it to but um i remember that feeling of that first time went on stage because we had, um, we are, everybody in our group asked people to come along. We actually had uh, having like a hundred people in the room. Wow, that's a lot. Perform, a lot. Which was epic. But yeah, but the energy that they brought, <clears throat> we all as a group just leveled up. Because there were a couple of people, there was one person in the group specifically, I was like, oh, I'm not sure how they're going to do. Uh -huh. um, because it was just one of those things, it just felt like they were uh, not getting the, I say, the, if you call it the rules of improv, as well as everyone else. But, right. you know. The, the rule is always we have your back. It doesn't matter what happens. So it was, I was just I was just slightly worried about them. But because of the night, the occasion that it was, the energy that we got from the crowd, that person's performance like skyrocketed as well. Yeah, and everybody's leveled up. So it was great. So it was awesome that you know we took that energy and fed off of it. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is this is brilliant. It was a lot of fun. So good. And, um, yeah, and so like standing in front of people, that moment where we got pulled on stage, I'm looking, and you're just like holy shit and my heart it always does this regardless of what happens it just starts pounding 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 yeah. but then the moment the scene started it was almost as if i forgot people were there yeah and um because i just had to focus so much on what am i actually going to say for yeah. this scene to make any sense or it doesn't have to make sense but whatever it's just like for me to build on what the my uh, my uh, partners on this on the stage is saying yeah so very much 
I always get that very much that nerve wracking feeling, get pounded. But I realized in that scenario that once got over that, once that happened, that was like the peak of it. And then it just yeah. got into the flow of things. And, uh, and so that was fun. And even, yeah, the second time around, um, similar <clears throat> sort of things, smaller crowd, but a similar sort That's of thing where you just... When I was there, I think, then, if it was your second time right. and it was the last yeah. one that you did, then that would have been the one that I was at, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was, yeah, because obviously you have experience to fall back on a little bit, so that's helpful, mm. but you do, yeah, for, for sure, I was still like, you know, you get the antsiness, you're, yeah. I uh, just need to loosen up, get warmed up into it with our exercise and stuff, and there's still that nerve-wracking feeling, but then it actually you can harness it to carry you through um to, to to feel good to feel good in the performance so yeah it was definitely eye-opening in terms of how to deal with how i deal with the the nervousness the the nerves of that and and it was interesting because it's different because i've competed once in jiu-jitsu and that was like <laughs> i didn't handle the nerves very well because that's very a case different. of that's yeah, it's very, very different. different. That's a case of conflict, right? You're just like mm -hmm. dealing with something. You don't know what's going to happen as well. It's it's not, you can't, I, I know in improv you can't say what's going to happen either, but you have an idea. When you're in a fight situation, which you are in jiu-jitsu, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what your opponent's going to do. You don't know how this is going to pan out. And it can be quite frightening, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, and that's what it was because like I uh, talked about before, like mm. that agreeable nature uh, predisposition and I'm yes. trying to become more disagreeable and a way to do that is through jujitsu and yeah. that's directly challenging the agreeableness because it's conflict. So there's, yeah. it's even more discomfort with that. Whereas me going up on a stage, I kind of like, I kind of like the idea of doing that. Whereas mm. fighting someone is like, oh, this is a little bit, mm but it's something really? I can, yeah, so I can, I can get more uh, confident in doing. Mm. And because I've had that experience, that's been super helpful as well, because like, okay, I, I had two fights um, because there were two different levels of the tournament going on. It's like, if you lost your first fight, it didn't matter. You still got a second fight. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, because I was just like, I was just so nervous, like too nervous, a lot of nervous energy mm -hmm. went into it. And I got like subbed out in 15 seconds. <laughs> so it was like, it was oh, like whatever. That's mind. my first experience out of the way. Yeah. But then I, okay. but then I faced, then I faced a better opponent in the in the next fight, and I just I lasted the whole fight. I did much better. It was right. almost as if like having that first experience I was like, okay, I've done that now. Yeah. It ain't going to get any worse than that. So let's uh, let's just see what happens in this one, and yeah. you know, just put up a put up a better fight, literally. And um, yeah, and it was okay. So. <laughs> And just dealt with that a lot, a lot better as well. But um, I mean, I think there's a few things that we could actually go into, yeah, uh, which really good. which um, which it highlights to me. Um, so the first thing is is comparing like comparing the two, not for not because like not it's not about the differences between obviously one's <laughs> performance and the other one is fighting. No, um, one's entertainment, the other one's fighting. This one, it, it's like. Um, with improv, I felt like I had the fundamentals more down. Okay. In the sense that if you follow these principles, it's like, don't worry about fucking up. Um, uh, have, the, have the back of your um, uh, part, scene uh, partner, just yes and, because build build each other, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, having those fundamentals down meant that I always had that to fall back on. 
Whereas yeah. when I did my first fight in JITS, I never felt like I'd actually had the fundamentals down. I was always doing okay. stuff like sit, throwing shit at the wall and see, seeing what sticks. And then yeah. when you actually get thrown into a conversation like learning curve, like though, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but when you get thrown into a confrontation like that, I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it was like, um, and for me, that didn't work mm. out so well. Okay. It's, um, and that preparation and the lack of preparation for that meant, in that sense, meant that I was even more nervous and I didn't know how to, mm. um, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't fall back on any fundamentals. I didn't have the peace of mind of being able to fall back on some fundamentals. And, um, and so I think that that played a role. And yeah. with with the uh, with the competition with the with the jits competition, did you feel like you hadn't sparred enough before you went into a fight situation, or was it just that you felt inexperienced overall? Uh, inexperienced overall. Um, it's okay. mostly the with the technique and things like that. Yeah, mostly with just not having, I, I'd, I'd been promoted to blue belt by that stage, but I just okay. didn't feel like I had the. So you were sparring for blue belt. I see. I, yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, mean, I felt like, I felt like I wasn't. Um, uh, I mean, everybody kind of feels it. You don't feel like you're worthy of it, but I was like, no, nah, I've definitely got this belt too soon because okay. if you ask me to show some white belts some like some basic fundamentals and how to do them well, I'll be mm. like, uh, no, not yet. <laughs> If you'd gone into it as a white belt and sparred as a white belt, do you think you would have been more confident? Yes, because my initial plan was that I will, um, I got like, I remember thinking I got my third stripe as a white belt and I was mm. thinking, okay, this will be a good time to just compete because it doesn't matter. Like, uh, mm. I just don't feel, at that stage, it didn't feel like it mattered. Whether, like, you know, whether the thinking around it is right or not, is just how I was at the time. No, it's just how you um, feel. And I think that's fair. It is yeah, interesting, it was, though. Yeah, so it was like I was thinking, all right, I've got my third stripe and I'm going to um, I'll, I'll compete at the next available tournament. And mm. that's what I was thinking. And then literally after about two weeks after I got given my third stripe, I got given my blue belt. So this is what I mean by yeah. there's, usually, okay. there's usually another progression, another stripe, and then you're going to go and get it. But yeah. I just, uh, I just uh, jumped, the, jumped the gun on that one. Mm. And then so then I was like... underprepared. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So yeah, then I was like, oh no, <laughs> now I have to be thrown against mm -hmm. some blue belts to, yeah. uh, to, to, to compete against. And um, yeah, like I said, whether that it, massively uh, affected your mindset, I reckon, because suddenly it, right? you were like, I'm a new blue belt. I'm, I'm competing with potentially really you know, experienced blue belts. And that probably yeah. had an effect on your mindset, you know, yeah, that, that's probably why you felt underprepared. Yeah, fully. Because it's like, okay, I'm a fresh blue belt now. Mm. Also, it doesn't feel like has the fundamentals is down as well yeah. as a blue belt should. And then I could be up against a blue belt who's been a blue belt for five years, you know? Um, oh, so, which is different when you're at, yeah. which is different when you're at white belt level. Cause at white belt, you can still have people with a sandbag and they should be a blue belt, but you know, they haven't been promoted, but uh, they just want to get some more tournaments under the belt. But that's, uh, it's, but still, even then, it's just easier to handle mm. the discrepancy. Whereas a blue belt, I was like, mentally, I just went, whoa. Not really uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, and this is where, like, you know, it exposes a lot about, um, you know, the mindset that you have mm. around around things. And that's like, you know, especially since then, definitely been on that journey of, okay, mm. if I felt like that, I don't want to feel like that. I want to actually approach the challenge in a, uh, in a way where I can um, be more open to it as opposed to feeling like, oh, no, 
and it basically fixed mindset versus growth mindset instead of mm -hmm. being like oh no this is too much i'm going to get my ass handed to me um and i don't know what i'm doing and i don't feel like i've got the fundamentals down if i flipped every single one of those statements going like it doesn't matter because i yeah. everybody's gonna be better than me this is just going to be a learning curve i'm going to learn yeah. a lot about how i handle these situations and yeah. where my fitness level is at and where my technical skill level is at compared to these guys and what i need to do to improve then i would have had a much better relationship with competing i think the fear of being hurt comes into that yeah. though and when mm. you're in a sparring situation when you're in a fight situation there's always that fear of being hurt being tapped out being knocked out whatever it is and that married up with that mindset of being feeling a bit inferior that's you know mm. i'm not surprised that it, it was a nerve-wracking experience i you know i've never yeah. actually been in an official fight uh situation i've never i've never done interclubs or anything like that uh in terms of spa, mm. um, thai boxing sparring but i've done a lot of sparring um and it doesn't matter you're still nervous and um yeah. i i think if i'd ever been put into an actual official fight situation it doesn't matter how much experience you've got it's phenomenally it, it, nerve wracking, um, and I've got a hell of a lot of performance experience, but it doesn't matter. You, yeah. It's a completely different situation. My well, number one fear when I when I was fight training, and I did a lot of fight training in my time, was I didn't want to get knocked out. And my one of my trainers always said to me, "It's like you cannot go into the ring with that fear. You cannot go into it. if you like a bit, a bit like with jits. I'm sure the fear is that you're going to get tapped out or whatever." Um, and, and he was saying to me, he's like, you can't go into a fight situation with that fear. You've got to be fearless. You can't worry about if you're going to get knocked out. But it's like, I just couldn't, I couldn't get around it. I could not get that out of my head. What if I got knocked out? What if I got knocked out? What, what's going to happen? And, and I think it's a little bit of embarrassment because it's awful when someone gets knocked out. Everyone's like, oh, but also that you have become unconscious and and you and when someone gets knocked out on, in a ring you're literally sitting there praying that they're okay and that they're going to wake up i mean they do but it's not yeah. and it's not cool. it's not great for your brain either to get knocked out <laughs> we know yeah. this it's horrible yeah. your brain actually rattles in your head so yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't want to get knocked out but um yeah, I can imagine mindsets everything. And I actually asked, uh, a, well, um, a, a, I think he's a world champion, one of my trainers. It's like, how do you prepare to go into the ring? And he's like, it's just something I've always done. It's just something that I know. I don't prepare. I don't have a mindset. I just know that I can do it. And I think there is that if you've grown up with it and you've got experience and you know what it's like to go into that fight situation, it is just normal. Whereas for maybe people like you and I who haven't grown up with it and are coming at it from maybe a more adult perspective, it is, it's a very scary situation and it's very different to performing um, on stage. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I've, In, I've, yeah, carry on. I, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things you said which interest me is like, uh, first of all, like, doesn't matter how much experience you have, you're always going to be nervous. And mm. I think that's, that's, I think that's definitely true. I think that's definitely true because, uh, to the extent that uh, if you're nervous, it means you give a shit about the outcome as well. Yes. It's like you give a shit about what's going on. <clears throat> and, um, and you're nervous because you are in an unfamiliar situation yeah. uh, in the sense that, like, what, especially in the beginning. Uh, Even if you are familiar, so, you're still nervous. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. But it's like so. It's, it is a, there's a 
there's like a couple of different reasons for it. In the beginning, it's like it's an unfamiliarity and you care. Then afterwards, it's like I've been here so many times before, but I'm still mm. nervous. It's like it's because you give a shit about the... But people are expecting stuff of you as well. People so, expect yeah, in your a situation, level of you. Yeah. Yeah. You so can't in your fuck situation, up. Yeah. In that performance world, it was like, yeah. okay, well, I can't fuck up. So there's that extra level of pressure that goes with mm. it. And I think... Um, but yeah, I think nerve, like there's a there's a there's a mindset around nervousness which can be addressed in that people think it's it's bad right it's going to it's going to hinder your performance but actually it's not because it's going to allow you to like it depends on how you use it it depends on your mindset right? it can allow you to really does. yeah because it, yeah. it it's uh, the way it matters is if you're going to have a mindset around it is like this is devastating because it makes mm. me feel like I can't perform versus hey this is actually going to this means that I care about what's happening and like and and it's just making me aware of um my, like what I'm able to do mm. and you're you're kind of exp you're using that nervousness and expanding into it then then you can have a vastly different outcome right so it's, think, yeah. it's the same things yeah. like for so for me where on the improv stage is like I'm nervous, but I'm like, cool, this is just what it is before I step on stage. And that's a great mindset to have, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but some versus, people can't handle that. But versus um, going on the jit stage where it was mm. like uh, going out into the fight, it was like, I'm nervous because of all these negative reasons. Yeah, I'm and, a depth. Mm. And, that, and yeah, I'm like well out of my depth and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, I'm not going to get a good experience out of that. I'm not going to get a good outcome out of that. Whereas mm. with improv, it was just different. And um, and so that juxtaposition there can show you how the way you uh, think about the nerves and uh, think about what it means um, for you can change the outcome for you. Because you, mm. and the thing you're talking about was injuries was like, uh, that was the other thing that made me think of yes when i mm. went because at the time i was more um i was also more nervous about how my neck would hold up in mm. situations because i just didn't have as much strength around it of then yeah as well. of course and and so it would be like okay well if i get caught in a guillotine or if i get caught in mm. like something and it would just feel it just won't feel good whereas now i've got less of an issue around it, especially having done like wrestling and stuff with silview mm. where you know it's it's okay in in the sense that yeah I don't want my neck to get caught but um, but I'm stronger to you can handle, handle it handle yeah. handle it better and um, and then yeah like you know being fearful versus being fearless I don't think I'm not sure if you can ever be I don't think you'll ever be fearless it's just about how you use that as fuel versus mm. using it holding you holding you back definitely and the whole thing around nervousness. It, it is something that you can harness. Um, I've seen a lot of people fall down on stage, amazing, spectacular musicians, um, yeah. and the nerves have either got the better of them or, and this is the key thing as well, they've not practiced enough and mm. they haven't embodied what they're doing on stage. So, and that's when the nerves can take hold and they can kind of override what you're doing. And mm. if there's one bit of advice I could give to anyone, and it's something that I did, um, especially when I was performing a lot, was, I uh, pre preparation and, and practice, and I don't just mean whatever you're doing. I know with improv you can't practice with with a jits competition. You can practice, but only to a certain point. But it's it's 
it's putting yourself in the situation time and time and time again and and handling those nerves and more often than not to be honest never I, I would never fuck up because I was so well prepared and like I said I saw musicians time and time again like why are you better than me fuck up because they hadn't done the work and mm. and you could just see the nerves take hold and they just start to lose it and it and it was mm. a it was a really interesting sensation because it's like shit you you know you're a top musician and and you you know because you've and they were a bit blasé about it as well. They'd come in and they'd be like, ah, and, and it's like, you can't be like that. Because when you're on stage, different kettle of fish, when you've got thousands of people watching you, suddenly you're like, oh shit. And, and your mind does scramble. So I think preparation will help those nerves as well and, and stop them. What's the line? Preparation is the mother of success, right? Yes. I think that's a, a, a huge thing. Um, preparation is the mother of success. Yeah. And I, I definitely live by though that rule, definitely. I think with fighting and competitions like that, you can never be completely prepared. But I think you've also got to own the fact that um, you're all right with going into a situation where you don't know the outcome. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you don't know whether you're going to get knocked out. You don't know whether you're going to get tapped out. You win or lose or whatever you know if you go into that situation being all right with that then you're going to do okay i was always just terrified yeah. of being knocked out <laughs> yeah well but that i mean that's like kind it. of anything isn't it it's like yeah. you just have to you have to be okay with you know what um, the worst the worst possible scenario for you yeah and is i wasn't okay but like you're preparing for the worst and hoping for the best is yeah. this is basically is basically yes. what it's about. It's like yeah, it's like it's like that with anything. It's just kind of like okay, I've done all this, done all this preparation, um, and I, I wanted to go this way. You know, mm. you talk like you've done visualization stuff as well, mm. especially Loads. for performances, Performance. as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think yeah, that'd be good to get your take on that as well. Like to mm. what degree that was helpful and like you know we know now as well how how actually that change that affects your ability to pick up a skill as well mm. so if you're if you're able to visualize uh, uh visualize what you're doing and visualize an outcome as well mm. like, but like really feel it and uh, it's not just seeing it happen but like you you're living it. yeah yeah you're it's living it happening and so that helps to, in terms of dealing with nerves as well as like okay i've kind of been here in my mind yeah. before you know, and uh, I know what this can be like um, mm. because of that experience. But there's a depth to visualization, which I think um, many people will get, which is you have to you have to feel it when you're visualizing it as well. It's not just like you close your eyes and you see it. It's like you close your mm. eyes, but you, you you see it and you feel it as well. Like that you're, sensation. You're going, yeah, you're literally going like you're, you want to physically go through the motions in your mind. Mm. Absolutely. And, Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like yeah, what would you what would you say about all that? You've got to make it three D in your mind. Mm. You've actually got to embody the experience. So I'll give you an example. When I used to go on stage, I'd often know the places that I was going to play, even if I didn't. I'd maybe research, or I'd or I'd been there to play or to perform. I'm not sorry to to watch a performance. Um, and you've got, it's almost like you've got to use all your senses to embody that 3D experience to kind of coil your nerves. So I would often 
start from before the performance would start? Like, how does it feel to stand at the edges of the stage? What am I looking at? How do I feel in my body? What's on my feet? What's in my hands? How do my hands feel? What can I smell? What can I see as I look around? So it's almost like I'd immerse myself in this sort of weird virtual reality that is the experience and the performance that I was about to do. And then how does it feel to walk through onto the stage? Is anything squeaky? <laughs> it's so weird. But is there any of the floorboards squeaking? Um, what happens when I turn and face the audience? How many people can I see? And it was just, you can, so you can kind of get the idea that I immerse myself in the entire experience. Like, what does the page look like? How does it feel when I turn it over? What does it feel? And so it is, it's immersing your senses into this experience before you put yourself in that experience. And that stood me in such firm, like, it really helped my reality because when you start and you start playing, look at me with my clarinet in my hands, um, <laughs> you'd be so used to this experience wherever you are that um it wouldn't phase you and yeah like you said with when you're doing improv you'd be like all over the, not all over the show for the first but like for the first few moments it is you're trying to understand your environment and get used to it and then once you've kind of got into it that's almost like when the fun starts and you're now just playing to the audience and mm. do you know it's like it's almost yeah. like you're now communicating <laughs> through music to the audience and yeah. and that's what I got. I got a lot out of it. And and I was always like either a solo player or one of the solo players within the orchestra. And um and it just became a beautiful thing. Like you, it's just communication between lots of different people, or you're communicating to an audience, and and you're trying to relay emotion and a story. And and that's that's then what it becomes about. You forget the nerves. It all goes, and and then it becomes about you expressing yourself through that medium. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, with so you you'd have a period is it like in the beginning like that height of the nerves mm -hmm. and then does it settle after a period of time yeah. or would it always stay at that level for you oh it's such a good question so i would often get really nervous a few days before like hideously nervous and then the nerves would start to subside as i got to the performance and then as i sat down or i was standing or whatever they'd be height like i'd probably be at peak as i was about to start to play but then when you're in an orchestral situation if you've got something coming up and you know it's coming up, it's not until you hit that point that the height of the nerves will start. And then once you start playing that really, really scary bit, that's when they'll come down. So yeah, it depends on, so it, dep it depends. Yeah, so it's the, the anticipation. Yeah. And once you're actually there, yeah. it just goes. Whew. Absolutely, yeah. yeah cool. And there's such a funny story. Like I was playing a particularly difficult piece once and every rehearsal, I'd feel physically sick to the point where I nearly threw up because it was so complicated and so hard uh, within this orchestral piece. And I, I probably fucked it up nine times out of ten every single rehearsal to the point that where I, when I got on stage, I was so nervous that I took the wrong clarinet. We have two clarinets in orchestral playing. And I took the wrong clarinet on, so I had to go off stage and go back on. Anyway, sat down, just insanely nervous. And uh, it was getting to my bit. And I could see the whole orchestra just like, you could just tell everyone was really nervous for me. Everyone was like, <laughs> and I knew it was coming. And you know when you're shit. like, shit, I don't know why I did that. I was like, pray, but it was like, so oh my God. And um, and it came and you could literally see the whole orchestra and probably some of the audience just like, <gasps> and, the, and the conductor was like, 
and I just was like, and I and I and it, I just did it. It was like I blew it out of the water. It was like da, 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 whatever yeah. it was, and 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 the whole orchestra just went. You could <laughs> feel that energy. The conductor was like, God, what did you do? Everyone was yeah. like, ah. Oh. So yeah, it uh, on the day you just. <laughs> You tend was to that, like that, it out. I could I feel that that sounds so intense like that could just because because this is the amazing thing about it as well is like you know what we know about these um neural circuits and dopaminergic circuits and stuff like that because something like that can totally wipe you out because of yeah. the level of anticipation yeah. the norepinephrine oh. that's flowing through the body yeah. you know the agitation the alertness and the focus and then that happens and you can bring it back down but then and then yeah you just have this kind of energy yeah. dump yeah, and, and uh, I did. But then, because you you nailed it, then you get that dopamine surge again, which carries you through the rest yeah. of the rest yeah. of the performance. So what is so so then? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of it like in my mind is like these you know these graphs essentially of your, your yeah, nervousness my over, brain. over time, and yeah. it's like so was it okay? So you're starting the performance, the anticipation is starting, the height of the nerves, you start and yeah. then it starts to come down and then your yeah. bits about to come up and then it goes all the way up yeah. again even beyond yeah. probably what you started beyond. because you knew yeah. your history with this and coupled with the fact that you've got your whole orchestra fucking freaking out it's like is she actually going to be able to do this <laughs> it's so hard <laughs> like that <laughs> and then and then you nail it like and through that performance did the nervousness stay high or is that as soon as you got no, into your first you know what? it's so funny it's almost like you can hear it come up, you feel it come up, you feel it coming up. And it's almost like I just do this thing where I'm like, now. And then I just mm. do it. And it's like, yeah. bang. And, and and that's me all over. It's like, I'll be a mess until that point. And then it's almost like I just switch on and then mm. and then it's done. And then I and then I blow it out of the park. And that's always yeah. what happens. And and it's almost like I don't yeah. even know what's going on. I just play. And because yeah. and this is the the kind of the the point of this whole conversation is because I'm so prepared. And I know that piece backwards and I've put myself in that situation a bazillion times and I've visualized it and I've done everything that I possibly could do to that point. Generally, no, not even generally, 100% of the time I've done it, I'll do it. So mm. it, it's just kind of, it, it, it shows you how important it is to visualize and, and put yourself there really even if it's even if you're not playing in an orchestra, doing anything, if you're in an exam or if you're in an interview or if you're in, I don't know, whatever it is that you guys are doing in improv, anything, if you've put yourself in the situation and you know in your heart that you've done everything that you can, there's no reason that it it won't go brilliantly. So, mm. yeah, you've got hundred percent. 100% success rate with that as well. It's like, oh, I feel like we're going to fuck it up every time. And then it works out, smashed it every yeah. time. But, uh, um, but that doesn't make you complacent. I'm never like, no. ah, I'll be fine. Of I'm course. always like, fuck. And yeah. whatever I do, I, I take that level of, of um, preparation into whatever I do. Whether it's a program that I'm doing online, doesn't matter. I still have that preparation and I visualize a lot of stuff around it. I think you can bring that into anything that you do in life. So I think... I think I think you have to. I think this is what you've shown is um, is how valuable that is, and mm. it's something again. Uh, it's something that I do with clients as well because ultimately you're going for something which you haven't achieved before, or you mm. haven't been down this path to to achieve. Again, yes. talking about let's like you know, get out of back pain. 
Yes. And you may have been in it for years. So you actually do have to visualize a life for yourself where you do have um, pain-free movement. You feel yes. comfortable, you feel confident in your body and you don't feel like anything's gonna throw it off. But if you can't do that, then it makes mm -hmm. it harder for you to recover because you've, you've got nothing to, uh, there isn't that kind of hopefulness and there isn't something that propels you towards that uh, towards that goal as much as like yeah there's something that's okay you're in pain and that's a that's a big driver to get you uh, to mm. get out of that but you also have to visualize what it feels like to be in that ultimate goal and uh, to be in that situation is like you can't just be like, i just want to get out of pain it's like okay but Got to put in the what steps. does it Mm. What does it mean to be a uh, pain? So visualize that life. So like, what are you doing? Are you going hiking? Are you mm. spending time with your family and friends and not worrying about your back pain? Are you able to um, be more productive at work and you finally get that promotion because you don't have to miss days off at work and um, because the, the back pain has been killing you? Are you going back to playing football or going to jiu-jitsu or you know, being able to play your, your um, instrument and be able to sit down and be able to handle that? and yes. get the joy out of that it's like you want to be able to visualize that life because if you can't then the outcome's harder to attain and mm. um and and just by visualizing it you can actually start to feel better as well right so there's the, there's, the, there's the power of that as well because if you for example if you didn't visualize imagine the level of nerves that you're approaching the scenario with approaching the performance with it might actually mm -hmm. cross that threshold where it's too yeah. much and you're like i'm fucked i'm done i'm freezing yeah. and i'm gonna get off stage yeah. Yeah. yeah and um and there's also something else in in that as well because it happens is height of the nerves and that's when so it's anticipation that's when the performance starts right so mm. that's your moment of action is basically yeah. your moment of uh, the greatest your moment of greatest courage is in your moment of is that your moment of greatest fear so nice otherwise there is there is no courage right so yeah. you're at that height of that fear that nervousness and that anticipation and that's also the moment where your greatest amount of courage is going to come out and when you have that then you basically, it, it is it is a courageous act to be able to uh, take that moment and just do what you said you were going to do and and live out the uh, live out the uh, the thing that you have to live out because if you uh, and yeah and that's 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 essentially that's basically that is kind of like the definition of courage basically it's only going to happen at your greatest moment of fear because. Um, and so then you've got, you, you know, you've done that and you can do mm. it repeatedly. You can do it again. You can do it again and you can do it again. And, um, so it's you're true. always improving your boundaries and your thresholds for, uh, for dealing with that level of, uh, that level of nervousness and fear and, and uncertainty. It's definitely a skill. It really is. Mm. It's, it's a skill that you have to hone and practice. It doesn't happen overnight, um, in anything. I think, yeah. you know, in any level of performance and competition or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, even public speaking, it's like if you put me into a position where I was public speaking, I don't know if I could do it right now. I definitely have to right. practice that because that's a huge, that's, that's way out of my comfort zone, just a thought. So it's a skill that you have to practice um, over and over and over. And... Um, I think there's huge benefit in it, but you have to, it's almost like you have to put yourself in that place of fear, don't you? 
time and time again it's like that's that's a that's an amazing thing to be able to stand up and do improv it's like I don't know if I could stand up and do improv like I, I'd probably be like oh so you know I just which is which is which is how we all how we all feel in the moment where we're up on stage you'll oh, do it yeah um but that's from someone that has had no experience of improv apart from when I was in school I used to do like I used to mess about with that in drama um but but you put yourself in that situation time and time again. So you have a level of, I know what's gonna happen vaguely. Someone's gonna say something, I'm gonna to have to think of something. And, and the nerves will help to bring that about as well. Like you can use those nerves to your advantage, I think as well. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's definitely the whole point. And like, uh, like to be clear as well, I'm still a white belt improv. <laughs> it's like, you know, I did it for just under a year, but it's one of those where, um, especially after what I've been through with jujitsu and just, basically mm. learning how to learn well. Like, so I started approaching it and being like, okay, nice. well, what are the fundamental things that I need to understand about improv to, to, uh, to, to just be able to pass, you know, just be able to get by on it. And it's like, it's those yeah. fundamental things I was talking about. It's like, don't worry about fucking up. Uh, yes, and like, you know, build on what your partners are saying, always have their back and then just go with, uh, go with the flow and, uh, and build it's on it. Great that. life so, skills. Exactly. This is why, I mean, I recommend doing it to people as well. I mean, like the more scared mm. you are of doing it, the definitely the more I recommend you should do, do it. it because yeah. the, um, it, what you get out of it as well is like, I mean, I could talk about so many different things, but it's essentially, you know, it breaks down barriers between people. It, it teaches, uh, you know, you are doing teamwork. Um, mm. It teaches you to um, not judge the thoughts that come to your mind um, so that you, it spawns greater creativity. It improves um, your ability to link between different concepts and topics mm. as well, um, because you're just you're just going in any kind of direction, and then somehow the most beautiful thing can come out of it as well. Like there's, um, I just remember especially one particular scene that we did once, and it was funny, but then the way it moved on. You just there was no way we were scripting that. There's no way anybody was scripting wow. it, and it and it you thought it meant one thing, and then just it went on for thirty seconds longer than you thought it should have. But that extra thirty seconds made the scene have so much more depth and give it a completely different meaning, and turned it into this strange, strange world. Um, wow. It was it was incredible. It was an incredible thing, and it's just a case of going with the flow, linking things together, being open to all these different ideas uh, that could come about and, uh, and not saying no to them, right? So mm. yeah, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of life skill to be gained from doing something as fun <laughs> as, uh, as improv and uh, not to mention mm. like, you know, the kind of creativity boost that you get. But um, um, I can't remember where I was going with this now, but you just said something about it. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, fine. And it's kind of what we do with this podcast, isn't it? It's like we start with an idea, we riff with it, and it goes somewhere completely different. And as long as you're open yeah. to it and you're learning from yeah. it, it's like it's mm. and that we were improving mm. the whole time. Like we yeah. have an idea and and look where we are now, <laughs> just done forty five minutes. It. And we started with yeah. their trouble thunder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's where I was going with it. Yeah, it's just a case of um um uh, it's like, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm I've done it a few times, right? In terms of actually performing in front of people, but you're performing in front of your group every week when you're yes. doing it. So yeah, there's that kind of experience that you're building up. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. And then when you learn how to learn, 
better <laughs> that mm. improves your rate of uh, improvement in in the thing that you're doing as well so i've like i kind of taken the lessons of where i've fucked up in jits and been like okay well principally what was i doing wrong there yeah like, the first thing that comes to my mind the best. Is, yeah is like the first thing that comes to mind for me there is i was just you know throwing shit at the wall and hoping it would stick i didn't have a system i didn't learn the things that i needed to learn mm. to to be effective at jiu-jitsu or at least have a good baseline and fundamentals and i realized that and i went okay well i don't want that to happen in other things so i want mm. to pick up the the basics in those in those things as well so yeah and it improves yeah it improves your enjoyment of it as well and um, um but yeah there's oh, yeah definitely i think um kind of yeah, going back to the visualization piece actually because there was some other mm -hmm. stuff there which um getting your take on it i think it's just super useful mm. in terms of the level of experience you have with that but also sure. what we know about what it can help someone achieve is like it's essentially it's you got one driver where okay in our world if the goal is to get out of pain mm -hmm. then that's a big driver you want to get out of pain but then seeing that ideal world in the moments where it feels like shit is not going well for you yeah but you, you remember that vision and you visualize it then it drives you forward again right so yes. it helps you to not fall back and stay stay back it helps you to go okay i've fallen back i need to I need to get back up on the horse and the best way to do that is to to visualize that future again so you can get yourself back up on the horse and just and keep moving forward otherwise you just get stuck a lot of the time Definitely. i know I know on a personal level how much that works um and, and 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 that like you said it's a skill right you want to develop that skill so the more often you do it the the easier it becomes to get back up on the horse you yes. you leave less of a less of a gap between you feeling like shit and feeling like you've fallen back and then the actual action you need to take because when you feel like you fall back you can just kind of stay there because you're like, I've lost, I've lost the will. You know? What's the point? And, and what's the point? Exactly. This sucks. So then mm. it takes days and days and days and days. But then if you actually intercept that um, yeah, somewhere in that gap mm. with that visual, with that visualization, then it helps you get back on the horse quicker. So instead of it being days and days and days, it can be maybe one or two days and then you you're back on the horse or it can and then the stronger you get at that doing that then it can be a matter of hours you know you could feel like if, it, if it's yeah. yeah if it's a nutrition thing it's like you know a lot of people go all or nothing you eat and you're like oh you know what i've had a donut screw it the whole day's done now i'm just gonna chow down on a packet of doritos and yeah. eat like a whole foot you do it with anything you know? don't they yeah. yeah you can do it with anything and then so you fall off the wagon and you just think okay that day is done but if you have that donut First of all, appreciate it. It's like, that's well a done, good. Donut. Yeah, love <laughs> yeah. a donut. And then, and then say, well, it's not the end of the world because mm. I just need to get myself back on a bandwagon. And by getting myself on a bandwagon sooner rather than later, yeah, again, having that visual is like, okay, well, if I don't do this, if I don't get back on bandwagon, or if I rather beat myself up about this for longer, mm. I'm just wasting time. You know, I'm making it a lot harder for myself to get to the goal that I want to achieve. But then again, you visualize that goal. You're like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing it. It's for this, it's this, it's this uh, future that I envision for myself. I'm back on it right now. Yeah. 
I think that's hugely important. Everything you've just said is so important. Like whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a performance, whether you have a goal of getting out of pain, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and you are visualizing in your future, know that there are going to be days where it all goes wrong. There are going to be moments where you're like, what's what's the point? Yeah, whereas if I bring it back to when I was a musician, there'd be some awful moments where I'm like, what's the point? What am I doing? Why? Oh. But, but I guess for me, because there was like, there was always an end point where there was a date that I had to get ready for and it was physical because I, you know, it, it was a tangible thing because I had music in front of me and I had, I had something physical that I had to, to carry on with. It was easier to get back on track. I think, I mean, you could use that as well though. If you're trying to get out of pain, it's in your body, it's physical, isn't it? You can feel that in your body. And yes, we all have um, moments where it all goes wrong. Or if, if it's a diet and you you have too many calories, you have that donut, it's, it's not the end of the world. It, it, you can get back on track. And I think as long as you, uh, yeah, it, great if you can take a few hours and reset, but sometimes it would take me a day. I'd take it, it would take me a good night's sleep and then I wake up the next day and I feel better and I was back on it. It's almost like maybe you do need to reset through that night's sleep to remember your goal, to reframe everything, to then get back on track in whatever it is that you're doing. Um, great, I mean, you know, if you can do it in a few hours, that's, that's amazing. But know that it's okay if it takes a day or however long, yeah. um, as long as you keep that goal in mind. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you've reminded me of another thing as well mm -hmm. with uh, with regards to visualization, um, because you built up a hell of a skill with doing that, you know, kind of mm -hmm. feeling it and like making it 3D, as you said, mm -hmm. that's really nice. It's like, you know, you, you're in it. You're not just seeing it like on a screen in a cinema. You're, you're actually, you, yeah. you're, you're inside it. You're looking around you, left, yeah. right behind you, in front of you and feeling what it would be VR. like to be in that yeah. moment. And, um, and, and so the reason why it's important is because uh, talking about like the kind of the number of thoughts that we have in a given day, right? Mm -hmm. Some people put estimates on it. I don't know like how much truth there is to it. You know, sixty thousand, eighty thousand thoughts per day, and like, on I'm surprised. Like, most of them are, and you know how we can just bounce around. You know, we're going from mm -hmm. one thing to the next to the next to the next to the next. Oh yeah. And like a lot of them, a lot of them for a lot of people apparently end up being quite negative, right? So it's like upwards of seventy percent can end up being quite negative for people. Wow. Okay. So, this also goes back to how we're kind of hardwired to see um, negative, uh, uh, negative outcomes in our failures, right? That our brain remembers like, failure, don't we? Doesn't it? Uh, it's it's like it would this in this case is like we're hardwired to see negativity because at right. the end of the day, it's first and foremost, it's about survival, and mm. um, so if we need to pay attention to the thing that could <laughs> kill, us. <laughs> kill us, yeah, basically, and uh, and so we're we're making sure like, you know, we've put, we've perverted it because of like the kind of world we live in is like, those things ain't going to kill us in the world that we live in, but we still have that kind of, um, uh, wiring to believe mm. that. Right. So then it comes into what we talked about before with gratitude is injecting positive thoughts into that system. Again, just like intercepting those negative thoughts, any negative rumination that you might be having and you're just spiraling out of control with those thoughts is like actually inject it with a particular thought and, yes. um, and then build on that thought instead. 
And then so you might be able to help me with this as well, but I can't remember mm. the exact number, but it's something like, it might be even be like 40%, even up to 50% of our day is basically spent daydreaming and mm -hmm. something mm, like that. It's, it's, no, it's 60%, basically, I think. Yeah, like we're very, yeah, oh, sorry, no. Yeah, it's around 50, 60 where we're just, mm. we're, we're, we're very introvert, not introverted, but we're, we're internalizing everything. Is that what you mean? Yeah, as well? exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're internalizing, we're in like that like default mm. mode network, I think, yeah. and uh, in the brain where this, mm. this particular network is, part of the thing it's doing is just like visualizing a future for us, which is quite unique to human beings as well, mm. right? It's like uh, apparently not any other animals in the world are able to to, to visualize a future for themselves. So we so, have this power of imagination and daydreaming and we spend a lot of time doing it. If you actually catch yourself, you realize you're doing it way often than not. You know, shower thoughts, for example, is one thing. You're, you're visualizing <laughs> the future. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're seeing things, but it's not necessarily that you have any control over it because it's just like, you know, like a bit of a slideshow just yes. flinging through if past your eyes. So if you're thinking like, you know, we're saying it's potentially up to 60%. We can't remember the numbers, but somewhere between mm. 40 and 60% of your day is spent daydreaming then that is visualization. Then if you actually have something particular to visualize, which is actually relevant for your situation, relevant for your goals, relevant for your future, uh, relevant for how you want to live your life, then you're, you're creating a level of certainty within your mind about achieving, about achieving that. Because the thing is, the more you ruminate on certain things, the more real they become to you. Yeah. We do that with pain, right? We ruminate on pain. It's like, oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. This is gonna kill me. It's, it's, it's so bad that I can't do anything. And then mm. you start to live that out. Whereas if you flip it, it's like, okay, well, I'm not gonna let it rule me. It's, 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 just, it's pain is a warning, uh, warning signal, it's a warning system and it's telling me something not quite right, so I need to go and sort this problem out, mm -hmm. and that it doesn't define you, then mentally you're in a much better place to move out of that, right? Yes. So it's not, it, so it doesn't become as concrete a thing for you. So if you change what you think about in terms of visualizing it and visualize the future or visualize a situation for yourself, which uh, is in line with what you want to achieve, you make it a lot more certain that it's gonna happen because yes. your physiology starts to actually represent that reality that you've created for yourself. You are creating your reality and, and yeah. that's how you do it. You know, mm -hmm. you can either create that reality that, oh, I'm never gonna get out of pain, it's never gonna be better. It is that self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Whereas if you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm in pain now, but I'm gonna put steps in place, I'm gonna visualize a moment where I am out of pain and I'm going to work towards that, then, then you are, you're, you're almost remaining present, but creating reality at the same time, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just, um, it's, it's, this, it's this wonderful balancing act between being super grateful for what you have in the present mm. moment, but at the same time being super fired up to achieve the potential that you have within yourself that you're, Absolutely. you're you want to achieve as well. And, it's like people think that there's not a place for both of them to exist at the same time, but I it is. It. It, Definitely. It has to yeah, be because it it's like, it's like, okay, well, if I've got something to achieve, which I feel like I need to be better at, then how mm. can it be the case that I'm, I should be happy with what I have right now? It's like, mm. it's, it's like you need to have that level of gratitude. Otherwise that pursuit, um, never, 
it doesn't bring the fruit that it should bring. Um, It doesn't feel as good to be on that pursuit if you don't have gratitude for being on that pursuit and being in the moment that you're in right now. Because it's this, I wonder if I can articulate it, but it's basically, I always say it's like you're essentially, you whatever you're aiming to achieve, it's not that it's outside of you, it's actually within you, you're just waiting to express it, right? Yeah. You're, you're getting better at the ability to express that thing that is within you. Yes. So, um, so it's kind of, so that's where gratitude makes a lot of sense as well, because you can be grateful for the situation that you're in because, you know, you're in control of it to the good degree that you are. You always have some level of control of the situation and how bad it you is. You really do, yeah. And, um, and so you have that. And also you can be grateful for the fact that you are the person who can change that as well, right? So change the current situation. And so you, you, can, you can feel that gratitude, you can live in that gratitude, and then it can actually spur you on to, uh, to uh, achieve that goal that you're, you're looking for. Absolutely. Um, I don't know why this popped into my head while you were thinking about it, but I read this the other day. I'm just going to go with it. Um, (laughs) So they were saying something about if you are a lottery winner, for example, Mm. um, often lottery winners aren't they they can't wrap their head around the fact that they've won all this money, but also it doesn't make them happy. You know how people are like, oh, when I win the lottery, everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't work like that. It's like lottery winners often find it really difficult and and aren't necessarily happily happy, even though they've got this amazing amount of money, because they haven't visualised that outcome. Do you see what I mean? They haven't worked towards that goal of earning all that money, they haven't embodied that that they deserve to get that amount of money. So a lot of them have this real issue with all this money. It's like they don't know what to do and they aren't happy a lot of the time because they they haven't worked towards that goal. They haven't embodied how that feels. And I feel like that in a way is relevant because you have to almost put these steps in place and be grateful and and go through the struggle and strain of getting somewhere and and create something to to then sit back and go damn look i've 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 got all this money for example um but it's deserved i i i can't quite like verbalize it any more than that but it is you don't just get out of pain there's no like one minute you're in pain one minute you're out you know it doesn't work like that we don't have you know, special medical equipment that does that. Um, it's it's like it's a process that you go through and that then, that achievement then, it almost creates something more around it. Like you can help me out with this as well, but it's, do you know what I mean? It's like- Yeah, absolutely. You have to go through that process, otherwise you're not gonna handle the outcome. Absolutely. It, it's as yeah. simple as that really. Yeah. That's, uh, that is wonderful. I think what you just said there is wonderful. It's like you have to go through the process otherwise you can't handle the outcome because think about how many people just end up, like well, you hear lots of stories about it. I don't know what the stats are, but people just end up squandering it uh, away in terms yeah. of like lottery and stuff like yeah. you just don't know what to do with it. There's, um, yeah, there's a lot that gets missing. It's like, you know, if you, you know, people, you know, you can wish that you had everything you wanted to have in, you know, flick, yeah. in a click, or uh, you know, you wake up tomorrow and you got everything you ever wanted. 
but uh, you're not ready for it. You won't be happy. You're, There's no way you'd handle that. Yeah, no like way. I say, you're just you're just not you're just not ready for it, right? Because yeah. there's there's a pro, like you said, there's a process that you have to go through to be able to be ready for that mm. as well. It's like people forget that there's a relationship with money that you need to address. So yeah. If you go from having nothing to having a hundred million in the bank account, then you have to understand that there are a different set of problems that come with having that level of um, uh, that level of wealth. Yeah. And and how you deal with that, and uh, what you can do with that, and mm. to make sure that you don't squander it. You know, you don't mm. end up um, just doing stupid things with it. You have to change how you think about something and. It you have doesn't. To respect you can't. It. You have to respect it. You can't just change that just like that. That's got to. That's got to be. That's got to be a process. And mm. and yeah, you're absolutely right. You haven't earned. You haven't earned it as well. When you haven't earned something, you haven't. You valued it. Mm. So if you don't value the thing, then um, yeah, then it's a problem. And it's and that's reminded me of something else. Like it's no, you know, like and it, um, it's like other things. Say you really wanted a car. And then someone gives you a car, you're not going to enjoy that car because you haven't put in the steps to work towards it. So you get given something. It's different being given something to, to working for something. When you've worked towards something and you, you've grafted to get that car or to get that house or whatever, there's a different sensation within that. There's a different feeling. Whereas if you're given something, it, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful to be given stuff, but I don't think you're as grateful. I don't think there's that level of... Of, of thankfulness for what you have, right? Yeah. So it's, it's everything that you've been saying that you have to live that process, I think. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of some certain stuff around as well. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, every time, every time I've like, you know, bought a thing that I really wanted, it's come off like, you know, off my own back. And there's a hell of a lot more value in it in terms of like just taking care of the thing as well. Appreciate it massively. Yeah. And, um, versus, you know, if it's given to you, then you just, you're just a bit more relaxed with it. You don't give as much of a shit about it. Yeah. But, um, but again, like, let's just take it back to what we deal with on a day to day mm -hmm. basis. Is like, as much as people want to be given that thing that gets them out of back pain right now. Because, yeah, you could do it with drugs, couldn't you? Bam, it's gone. Yeah. Steroid yeah. injection, it's gone. It's like, yeah, but it's not. It's not going to help, is it? Yeah, like long term, it's like, what are you? What have you actually achieved? Mm. And often the case is you haven't achieved anything. So there's, um, but because the appreciation isn't there for having gone through the effort to get out of it, mm. it's uh, uh, there's. It doesn't. Yeah, it won't change anything. It won't change the it fact doesn't. that um you have to you have to go through the process basically to be able to appreciate what it takes and what your body is actually capable of so that you keep yourself out of that situation yes. because if you just get given the remedy right there right then and um you're not going to be doing the things that stopped that got you in you're not going to stop doing the things that got you into yeah. that problem in the first place you have to exactly. you have to get to um you have to get yourself out of that hole so that and you if, can yeah. avoid getting back in there 
and if we if we actually put it to something structural, this is this is a thought that's come in. It's like you know when people get bunion surgery, right? And uh, just as a, like a real life example of actually a structural situation that I, I see all the time, people get bunion surgery, nothing's changed in their structure, in their foot positioning, in their alignment, in their stability. So that's gonna come back. It's, it's like with anything, if you don't change what's going on around that situation, guess what, it's gonna come back. And hey, you could look at that in, in life. If you're not changing, your attitude to a situation or your approach to a situation is going to happen in another way, in another shape or form down the road, right? So it's how we, how we, we've got to change the structure before anything else can happen. Yeah, you could get surgery and it will change and that's great, but it will come back. Really, that was my thought around that. Yeah, that's, that's what happens is um, how successful is lower back surgery? Not very. Well, is it? Is it five percent? Is it five percent? I don't want to. Something like that. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to put people off, but it, it, yeah, I, it never no, fixes the problem. <laughs> and I know. Sorry. Don't, don't. Yes. It's sorry. Like, I do want to put people off. I, yeah. There's, there's I, very. There's very rare cases. That I do want to put people off. Yeah. Is, is the thing that mm. uh, needs to be done? Is uh, conservative treatment hasn't been taken to its logical mm. conclusion before that's necessary. And there's very rare cases that is actually necessary. So I know, yeah, I know, I know. With certain people, it is it is the end of their line, and and they are in serious amounts of pain. But part of me is like, oh, I wish you'd just come to me before that point. I really do, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, like I said, very rare kind of cases. It's like if you've got mm. a cyst in your back, if you've got a tumor in your back. I mean, in those yeah. cases, we're not yes. going to be dealing with you. Nobody's going to be dealing with you apart from a medical team. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, that's very, very, very few and far between. Yes. And you've you've got a long way to go before you even have got to got to surgery. It's becoming more and mm. more accepted that yes. surgery is is not the solution. Mm. So, even when I hear of, of spinal injections or you know uh, what are they uh, ster steroid injections, I'm like, oh no, don't do it. It doesn't do much. Yeah. It's not the answer. I know you're in pain, but it's going to last, what, three months? And then you're going to be back to square one. So I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard like, to explain to people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like the only time that can be of use is if it helps you get out of pain and then you're just going to do, really, yeah. you're going to do the rehab like yes. super, super tight during that period. So <clears throat> um, because, you know, maybe it's the only way like you are going to be yeah. able to get some movement, but is again, is like it's a small number of cases where you, you you need to do that. It's essentially it gets to the point. It's you um, getting that injection if it's going to help um, uh, numb the pain, then mm. yeah. But you you can't just carry on doing what you're doing. You actually have to get on, the yeah. work. Yeah, get the work done to yeah. make sure that when that injection wears off, you're actually in a much better place, and. Um, doing and uh, not creating pain for yourself yeah absolutely um and often in my line of work people have already had the injection and they're like right or they're about to have an injection and they're like and, and you know and it's fair like I'm, they'll say and now i want to do the movement to to get me out of pain so that's great but the amount of times i you know i've, I've been i've been doing this a long time that the injections don't really work they don't mm. have much of an effect and 
and I think you know just going through that that motion of having a steroid injection it's a stressful thing it's again it's a stressful thing and and actually it's it's disappointing afterwards because it hasn't done what they expected it to do and and then it's like all oh, right okay back to square one and it's like okay mm -hmm. well let's stick with it stick with the movement yeah exactly it's like go there first mm. and uh, and stay and stay with it it's like again don't look for a quick fix with this it's, yes um, so we said it's taken time to get into this position you've got to and it's like you've been to get out. In this, yeah you've been in this place for time so it's going to take a little bit of time to get out but you just be diligent with it and and uh, appreciate the process absolutely mm -hmm. and like um so that can lead us on to one of the things you want to talk about which mm -hmm. was uh uh, essentially like sensation versus stimulation, yes. which is, yeah. you know, the, the burn, experiencing the burn and feeling yeah. the burn when you're exercising. So, and this is, I think would be a really useful discussion. Um, I find it interesting that people feel like they haven't had a good workout unless they feel the burn or they ache for days after or really feel that oh my god and it and it and over recent years it, it, i mean i get it like we do martial arts like we feel it we you know i don't get me wrong like, i like feeling my workouts but at the same time when it's especially when it's based around pain and and spinal stuff i'm a bit like it, it hasn't sat well with me for the last couple of years to it's like I get that you want to work out. I get that you're paying money and you want to feel like you've done something. But also at the same time, I think it's okay to come away from a session feeling like you've moved a joint through its range of motion, that you've got a better sensation and connection into your center, that you understand what the breath does for you, that you feel that you're more aligned. I think, I think it's okay to come away from a session not having felt the burn and just maybe having embodied your body a bit more. And, and for me, it's like I could go into a beginner level class, whatever it may be, Pilates, whatever it is, and use all the, the, the stuff that I know and incorporate that within the class and I will come away knowing that I've had a good hour of movement. And yeah, I might not feel it like I feel a jit session or whatever, but that's okay. It's not a waste of an hour. I think that I've, and I, I've really struggled with this as an instructor. It's like, I suddenly feel like if they don't feel anything that I've wasted their hour. And it's like, <laughs> no, it, that's not the case. I've, I've taken you through a range of movement that is going to better your body. And it's okay that you didn't feel achy the next couple of days. It's perfectly normal. It's like, as long as you felt held and, and supported when you were doing the movements, that's okay. But it's a conversation that I have an awful lot. And mm. I'd love your thoughts because it's an important conversation. It doesn't have to be that you feel the burn the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So with uh, the burn, there's a time and a place. Um, but if you're experiencing yes. it all the time, then some, then you're, you're not doing your body any good. No. So generally speaking, that burn is going to come along by doing concentric contractions. So basically when a muscle is shortening mm -hmm. and you're squeezing, and that's when you're generally going to feel the burn more often than not. Well, yes. That's when it's most intense. Now, when it comes to core work, um, your core doesn't function like that. It doesn't function where everything is shortening and squeezing yes. hard. Yep. Right? So 
if you're looking for that burn in your abs when you're doing uh, when you're doing core work, which is again context dependent, but let's say you know we're talking about back pain and mm-hmm. we're talking about recovering from back pain. If you're getting that sensation, then you're not stimulating your core the right way, essentially. So um, you want to, because people need to improve their function first and foremost before mm-hmm. they go into doing any kind of those, um, let's say, the hypertrophy, the muscle growth workouts, right? And even then, there's there's a case for there's limits. To, yeah, yeah. There, there's limits. It's like even then, there's a case for like if you're if you're feeling the burn all the time, then you're basically going to be overtrained very very quickly, and you're not going to be able to uh, handle. Uh, and handle the work that your body's going through. So yeah. when, it's, when it comes down to improving function, you don't care about, uh, you don't need to care about feeling the burn. Um, so it's overrated. You don't need it mm. then. I agree. Um, and, uh, and where else? Uh, the idea of the yeah, sensation does not equal stimulation. So what I mean by that is, is if you gain that sensation of the burn, that doesn't mean that your muscle is stimulated in the best way possible. So again, mm-hmm. going back, and stimulation is what we're after because we need to stimulate a muscle or a group of muscles to function correctly during a movement that you're making. If they're not functioning correctly during a movement that you're making, you're going to compensate. And if you're going to compensate and compensate often, you're going to create problems in your joints. And uh, and then that, the end of, end of the line there is creating some, creating some pain for yourself. Yes. So again, you're... That's what's going on with a lot of people who have back pain. So you need to be able to uh, improve the function of the muscles around the core. And improving the function of the muscles is a, there's a multitude of um, uh, activation going on. Mm-hmm. So it's not that short and squeeze. Your muscles are going through a whole range of them. They're going lengthening and yes. loading. They're shortening and loading and they're staying locked in and loading mm-hmm. as well. So there's an isometric contraction too. They're all doing that in varying degrees at different um, cycles, at different air points in the cycle of your breathing. Mm-hmm. And breathing is a fundamental to getting that right, is a fundamental to improving your core core function. So um, you don't you don't need to you don't need to feel the burden for that. What you need to feel when you're coming away from that is like I've done this. I feel light. I feel loose. I feel more connected with my body. Yes. I feel tall. I feel taller. I feel more efficient. Like with the movements that I'm making aren't um, light, laborious. Um, yeah. So that is an amazing workout, and you are stronger for having gone through that workout than if you if you didn't do that. Basically, yeah. because you're because by by virtue of being more efficient with how you use your body you are going to be able to generate more force and more power more easily. Um, so so don't worry about it. You, you yeah. don't need to worry about experiencing the burn. The burn comes into it when, um, like, you know, you're learning how to load your body well, and then you're doing some, you're doing some weighted workouts, you're doing some extended workouts, you're doing some high intensity workouts, you're, you're basically, you're pushing, you're pushing your body and then you will experience some level yeah. of burn. And that's but, uh, speed and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the key yeah. is, is if you're experiencing that burn often, then you're going to burn out your body uh, a lot more quickly, and uh, you're going to yeah. be overtrained, and and um, and that's not and that's not great.
you're going to compensate. And I think that I am going to uh, get that clip and send it to everyone that I know. <laughs> That's it. We'll, we'll splice it out. Like, Seriously. Hey, this that, conversation that we had, here you go. We need to like literally store that in a library and have it. There you yeah. go. Oh, no, burn, yeah. no. There, have that. So that's yeah. a hugely important conversation. It's so yeah. important. Like, just know that you've worked in a different sort of way. Um, uh, yeah, I love that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for bringing it up. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. A, I think it is important. I think. Um, mm. Yeah. It's just basically burn does not equal hard work. No, it um, really doesn't. Time and a place. Doesn't. Really yeah, is. There's a time and a place, and uh, for the type of clients that you're seeing, you don't need to worry about that burn. And, no. uh, and if you are getting it, but you're doing everything well and it's, uh, everything is functioning properly. Great. If, um, yeah, it's like, again, let's use an example again. It's like, if you're doing the, you know, the supine 1990, so dead bug breathing or mm -hmm. dead bug core activations. Legs up. Yeah. And uh, so it's basically you're lying on your back, your legs are up, your arms are up. And what you might do is extend a leg out so that it reaches uh, reaches for the floor mm -hmm. and then you bring it back up again and you do the other side. Now, if you're straight off the bat, you're feeling a lot going on in the six pack, then that, you're not stabilizing your spine properly, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling that burden in your six pack straight off the bat and you're not feeling anywhere else so much, then basically that means you're overusing your six pack muscles. Yeah, and that's, so, that's pretty common, I think. And yeah, also another thing that I think is quite common is that, um, in particular in women, I don't know, maybe in men as well, is that, they won't, they find it hard to let go and, and let their core go in particular around the six pack muscle um, and stretch into that area so that they can then recontract if you like. So then you might just get this overuse, overuse, overuse. And then there's almost like this inefficiency in breathing and inefficiency in spinal stabilization and core stabilization because they find it hard to let go. I mean, God, I've been guilty of it in the past where you will not let your core muscles go. So you're sucking in, sucking in, sucking in, and you don't know how to let them go. And and something that I say quite a lot in my classes, I say quite a lot in one of my sessions is it's okay to let your abdominals go. It's okay. It's, it's actually key to get them to stretch and then come back and you're going to be stronger for it. So let them go. Because people are like, I don't like blowing my belly out. I don't like stretching it out. It's like, it's, it's imperative that you do, especially if you're trying to get out of pain. Yeah, it's... Um... I can't remember, is it Kathy who says the lines? So somebody yes. who's been taught by Kathy Dooley, she's like, uh, if uh, when somebody breathes in and you can still see their six pack, dang, 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 got good spinal stability. Yeah, they, they, they're, <laughs> they're not functional in any way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so essentially, when you're breathing in, you need to be able to expand. Yeah, through that six pack's got to go. So, yeah. yeah, it's got to go. You've got to lose it because if you're not, then basically all you're doing is holding on tight. You've got that yeah. concentric contraction that I'm talking about. And, uh, and that just means it's always on and that's mm. not good. So you're going to feel the burn, but you're, you're going to hold your body up properly. What price? Yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're paying a price for that. So, yeah, you have to be able to let it go. There's a lot of, because, you know, it's been in, this, in the past, it's a lot of, you know, pull your, pull your belly button in no. and, you know, squeeze squeeze it tight and that's what's going to improve your core function. Again, that was just a heavily bastardized version of what this particular study that got popularized was actually trying to say. Mm. And people just ran with it as they no. do in popular science, which is really freaking annoying. But, um, 
but that's yeah that's bad advice so again you're contracting you're going to feel the burn but you're actually doing a disservice to your spine you're actually going to make mm -hmm. things worse for your for your spine doing anything right there yeah yeah then if you actually yeah. learn to breathe expand and feel the pressure as if you're a piston rather than squeezing everything in inwards and kind of creating that kind of compression because that's yeah. not that's not spinal stability and that's not 100 percent I love that. Yeah. Thank you. No, that needed to be said because it's something that I think about and, and try and verbalize a lot. And I think actually having this to send out to people is great. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. Big time. And yeah. I mean, there's, there's something else that makes me think of, which is mm -hmm. like, yeah, the kind of expand your, expand your definition of what a good workout feels like. Basically, yes. At the end of it, because we're so used to being like, oh, I felt that. That was great. Yeah. It's like so hard. Yeah, it's just like fucking hell. It's just like again, time and a place. But if you're yeah. doing it all the time, it's not. It's not great for you. So, um, it's just those it's those points that I made earlier as well. Is again, we want to we want to have her in. Is there is a time and a place for it as well? It is fun to feel that burden, but also there is some. Um, there is some value in that, in the sense that, okay, I know I've pushed my body and I know mm. I'm improving my, uh, my capacity, but again, you don't want to be there all the, not time. the time. It's not good for you. And then when, again, we bring it back to, um, back pain recovery, you definitely don't want to be there in those, uh, in those early stages. You want to be able to feel engagement in muscles, mm. but like, um, but in that sense of you feel connected, you feel more efficient. You feel like you're taller. You feel like you can breathe better. Uh, you feel like you have more energy coming out of the session. Yes. Um, and you feel light on your feet. And you feel um, uh, there was another one that I said, but anyway, it, th mm. that's a, that's a big enough list anyway. So coming out of it, do you feel in a better space of mind mentally yeah. as well? Mentally um, as well. Those are, the brain connection is huge um, yeah. because that's going to have an so effect you, on everything else, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, you can get that. Um, so there's differences is like, you can get that when you've, you know, pushed it and you felt the burn and mentally that's good for you as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, but in this scenario, what you actually want to feel is, um, that kind of, um, you want to feel relaxed and energized yes. rather than smashed and, um, and, and calm. So, uh, that's that's what's important so we're yeah. not saying and yeah just to be clear as well we're not saying that you shouldn't ever feel the burn but no. you've depending on where you are on your on the gradient of being able to handle that kind of exercise uh, you don't want to be there especially no. if you're doing a back pain recovery and you and if you are recovered then you want to gradually introduce that kind of stuff so that you can you know again ex graded exposure where yeah. you expose yourself to that, you feel that burn, you feel like, you know, for a day or two, you can't walk because your glutes and your legs are fired up. But, um, but bring it back down from that level as well. You can't Absolutely. be there all the time because you're just hammering yourself and that's, that's not going to serve you well. So, Engage how you feel after that as well. If you have had a session where you are, you, or a couple of days later, you are feeling that burn, gauge how your energy levels have been after that because they, it can be phenomenally energy draining and actually doing the rehab sessions, like you said, it gives you energy. It, it gives you better connectivity. And, and that's what we want. So that, yes, in time, 
you can manage those harder sessions and you are coming out of them, yes, burning, but you're able to recover quicker. Um, that's the whole point of rehab, isn't it? That's the whole point of yeah. what we do. People are people. Can, people can then live their lives as they want to because they've done this rehab um, with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's um, just know where you are on your specific journey in terms mm -hmm. of yeah. what you're able, what you're currently able to handle, and what you're building up towards, and then f um, f you'll feel the burn appropriately. You know, you'll yes. introduce the burn appropriately. Yeah, not all the time. Yeah. Not all the time, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good stuff. How right, Judo? <laughs> Taminda. Yeah, Taminda. I can't do it. <laughs> this is where yeah, you get some practice in some uh, Punjabi. This, this can be the name of my firstborn, firstborn son. Taminda. <laughs> He's going to have a good time at school. <laughs> poor, poor, poor little boy. I, I feel for him already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, that was good. That was good fun, and uh, yeah, particularly enjoyed your insights into visualization and uh, yes. nervousness as well. That Many was, a that story. Was <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're always going to be coming back to that. But, yeah. Uh, for everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Follow the show on Evolve Achieve Thrive on Instagram, and uh, and find us on Facebook for that as well. Um, please subscribe to the show for uh, to get your regular updates on. Uh, episode releases so you never miss an episode and tell us what you're thinking about the show as well drop us a message over instagram and um, tell us what you resonate with the most because it really helps us um you know get a, get insight into what you guys are thinking as well and open up a dialogue with uh, our listeners and plus um uh, yeah leave a rating and review um on apple podcasts um just yeah, it really helps us to get the show out there as well so subscribe to the show especially on like apple or our podcast or spotify or whichever podcast um host that you are listening from and we will catch you again next week later